0: The Performance Lab podcast would like to acknowledge that the land on which we learn and work is the land of the Lenape, Wappinger, and Muncie people.
1: The Performance Lab podcast is invested in the sharing of knowledge and cultivation of curiosity between makers. We invite guest artists to lead a workshop with the MFA candidates of Sarah Lawrence College, after which we interview them.
0: We ask questions tailored to their individual practice, delving deeper into the how and the why of creation.
1: Inspiration is all around us, but how do we hone in on the subjects that drive us? They share with us their tips,
0: tricks, and sources of inspiration.
1: Reflect on past performances slash And keep us up to date on what is next.
0: Stay tuned for the Performance Lab podcast.
1: Hi there. My name is Curie Ellison. I am a second year graduate in the theater MFA program and one of the podcast producers. At the request of Emily Johnson, I'd like to issue a correction. In this episode, Emily cited Leanne Simpson as the author of Emergent Strategy, which is not correct, as Adrienne Marie Brown is the author of Emergent Strategy. Leanne Simpson instead wrote a book entitled As We Have Always Done, which Emily describes
2: as phenomenal. With that in mind, please enjoy this episode. Um, so Emily, I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, I'm, uh, my name is Yuexing Sun, and you can call me STAR. Uh, and I'm a first year grad student uh, in theater, MFA in the theater program. So. Um, uh, maybe Emily, you can introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, my name's Emily. For the sake of this conversation, we can just call me Emily A. So it doesn't get confusing. Um, I'm also first year theater MFA grad student, and happy to be here.
2: So um, it has been quite a while since the last time we met in uh, also the grad lab and the think tank. So I'm kind of wondering what have you been doing on re- recently? Any new projects you can share with us?
0: Well, first of all, happy New Year to you both. Um, it's good to yeah, good to be with you again. Um, I tried to pretend that I took December off, <laughs> which wasn't really the case or reality, but I tried to I tried to um, I tried to yeah pretend that that was my reality. <laughs> um, in truth, uh, I've been working on a few different things. One of them is. Uh, to try to protect East River Park here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in the Napeho King. Um, Working with an amazing group of of neighbors and and other land uh, and water protectors who are, um, yeah, basically fighting the city and coming development And this environmental racism that is being forced on our neighborhood and on a thousand trees and every living thing in the 57 acre park that I live very close to. So that has taken a lot of emotional um, time (laughs) and physical labor. We've done a lot of um, ceremonies in the park uh, with the trees, uh, with with other species there. We did a day of, um, we called it a, a solstice dance walk. Um, through the north part of the of the park and people joined in and out as they could uh, we were doing that in, in kind of uh, a space of gratitude to the trees since trees have been starting to be cut down uh, we've held different um, gatherings at the sites of the trees that are now gone we also did some protective um, kind of uh, protective measures uh, prior to them being cut, kind of protective protest measures prior to them being cut down. Myself and uh, another team member, uh, Andrea, we uh, put on safety vests, like what the workers wear and the trees that had been marked with an X, those were the ones that were gonna be cut down. And so we went and um, Andrea had, we we researched uh, how, to, how to get, um, spray paint off of tree trunks, and these are oak trees, so the bark is really uh, rough and, and deep in places, but you take a very light uh, bit of sandpaper and you just sand a little bit to to remove that bright fluorescent orange. And then uh, Andrea had made a, a pigment of charcoal and buttermilk, uh, and we and we we painted over we kind of obfuscated the the x so it just looked like a natural marking on the tree and then uh she had roused up some of that uh you, you see it on construction sites um that orange fencing um that's that's like a kind of i don't know what it's like a plasticky orange fencing she had gathered some from a dumpster in brooklyn and so we had that and we we made fencing around those trees so so we've And then there's been a lot of um, political activism and social media activism happening. Um, And so that has taken a a lot of my attention. But also we had a residency for Being Future Being, which is this new dance piece that I've been working on. Um, Had a a COVID bubble residency with myself and a collaborator, um, being able to dance and rehearse together at Jacob's Pillow uh, in November. created a video and some some conversation around that and um, I've been meeting with my colleagues Karen Recollet and, uh, and Dylan Robinson and Camille Usher and Joseph Pierce and having amazing conversations ongoing conversations about the kinstellatory and about um, relationships with our more than human kin so it's all been very uh, generative and all very related you know um, being future being which is a dance piece is also about processes of working together for a better future. And so I feel like land protective efforts, land back efforts, uh, liberation and justice efforts are, are all part of that better future and and also part of this dance, actually.
1: I'm curious how your, your um, protest practice and also your creative practice have been influenced by the pandemic, not only logistically, but, um, also, just in what you're thinking about thematically.
0: That's a good question because I, I, I wonder. I wonder that too, <laughs> to be honest, because because really we're working with within this moment, right? Within this ongoingness, and and I guess and I guess that's always the case. You're confronted with an emergency, and you you, you can try to find ways to um, activate within or or what. Uh, Leanne Simpson calls the the emergent the emergence of it, the emerge this emergent time. Um, during the height of the the pandemic when particularly in New York City, we were you know sheltering in place, my colleague and I, Karen Recollet, she, she and I are the are the thought collaborators, thought sisters on the conciliatory mappings and light and dark matter uh, ceremonial fires that happen at Abram's Art Center. More or less every month. And we we recognized that it was really important to keep these, keep the fire going, you know, to, to keep this gathering happening, even though we couldn't gather physically in person. We spent a lot of time thinking through what is the invitation, what is the invitation to gather across distance? What is the invitation to center fire, even though we can't have a central fire in this month or the next month or the next month. And what is the invitation to offer to, um, to encourage to encourage a, a broadening of scope, a widening of scope, a, a kind of a, a thinking through together somehow in this, in this emergent time and thinking forward um, into the future with care, reciprocity for the current moment and, and for the announcement of things like grief and rage mm-hmm. And 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 fear that were and are still so present because of the pandemic, but also how we continue to to move toward these constellatory futures. How we continue to um, yeah, to to physically and emotionally um, be in the world together. So, yeah, I don't think those invitations were were a were a really big part uh, of for me of, of the entire COVID time and when we were finally able to start to gather um, thinking about the social distance as a way of extending care to one another and thinking about gathering at the fire as an extension of care thinking of these processions to the park to the trees as processions of care um, and and doing that in a way that is yes careful for our for our health and for the health of one another and our neighbors um, but that is also that is also I guess in a way brave you know um, and and meaningful
2: so uh, when you mentioned about invitations uh, we can see that uh, gathering and also engaged with community is always like a big part in your productions and all, also in your thinkings so uh, I wonder about uh, the reason that your preference on you um, on working and engaging with communities? And when did it start to be your main focus? Mm -hmm.
0: I think I make projects that are so huge that they need, I need people. (laughs) Like really, I think I I need people. Like, you know, a project called Then A Cunning Voice and A Night We Spend Gazing at Stars, you know, is a 15 hour long performance project that goes from just before sundown to just after sunrise. And we envisioned, uh, myself and my collaborator, envisioned uh, quilts for the audience to sit on. So then we had to make 84 quilts. So we've spent six years with community people coming together in, in all different, forms at libraries and 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 at at parks and um, sometimes very formal sewing circles and sometimes very informal because we needed help making all of these quilts you know and we we needed then processes of visioning forward to the future to to bring to this night together so holding these uh, visioning sessions with people and people would write ideas on quilt squares about what they wanted for their future or the future of their um the well-being of their friends and family, or their um, chosen friends and family, and their community as they define it, and their world. And so, I don't know. I think that I think that I have a. I think, I think it comes from a. It comes from a love of energy. I think really, and and that kind of energy that is um, that is really that is dependent upon shared shared time and shared space and shared ethics of care um, and that that energy is so powerful that that is what can change the world you know and so i i guess i I guess i try to design projects that can hold that kind of energy and that require people to bring (laughs) that energy or be invited at least to bring that energy or different forms of that energy
1: Along with that thread of community and activism with nature, I'm curious how you see movement and choreography kind of integrated throughout your work. I know that that's a a thread that is really prevalent.
0: I really, I hope this isn't a cheating answer, (laughs) because I really think of dance as everything. I really think of of, of the, the movement that is in our bodies all the time as part of that energy, as part of the uh, choreography, as part of the, the, the dance, as part of the form, as part of the aesthetic. So blood moving and ideas forming and cells dividing. And uh, so all of that, um, quote, unseen movement that is both within us and outside of us so so the the movement that same kind of movement though in maybe a different style is happening within a tree for example and within all trees and that same kind of movement is happening in the birds that are flying by and there's also this you know engineered movement happening in the cars going by and like this and 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 then you have all of the pathways and the energies in between and amidst all of us and it's this kind of movement that I just feel like that, um, that I want the dances I create to be part of. So, so while I'm very particular and pay attention to the crafting of the intention behind the movement and then therefore the movement itself and how that might be, might be experienced by a, an audience member, um, it's also, it's it's relational. I hope, um, and I try to craft movement that is part of that energy shift and part of that energy exchange, and can be part of a broader communication base, and can can even start to communicate things that that maybe are subconscious within us, within 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 ourselves, within our within our blood, within that sap uh, of the tree. You know, like what are these communication forms that are really um, that are really, I guess, tactile, um, and that movement can is is a big is a big part of understanding. I think of listening. I've been thinking so much about listening, not just with with an, an oral sense, but listening as a as a sensed way of being, and I think movement is part of that.
2: Yeah. So uh, along with that, uh, you mentioned about the choreography. So. I'm curious about when you bring this choreography to this huge community. So, what's the key that l- led to openness for both uh, organizers and participants during mm-hmm. the whole process?
0: I think it comes back to the invitation. I think there's a there's a very um, specific way in which I utilize language, that is, and 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 hosting even, um, that is part of the invitation. And, and part of that invitation is about my expectation too. like, I, I recognize that I require or I ask a lot of an audience. Um, and, and I want audience participants to, to, I, w- I want such a deep engagement. And I want a resonance that goes beyond the performance moment. And so I need to really uh, pay attention to and craft that invitation and my expectations. So sometimes that invitation includes protocols or includes um, asks of an, of an audience. Um, and is never is never an, never an assumed participation. This is a relationship that we're building, right from the, from the beginning. And so so and then that relationship is is then fostered and grows during the performance and hopefully beyond that as well.
1: I think something that is really beautiful about your work is how you become involved in Indigenous communities where you're creating work. And I'm curious if there are any particular Indigenous practices um, that really
0: inspire you
1: or are part of the work that you create.
0: I mean, I, the first, I think there, I think we would talk about that all day long. The first thing that comes to mind is um, is stitching and is sewing. So I learned um, fish skin sewing from Audrey Armstrong, who's a uh um, fish skin basket maker. And her work is extraordinary and stunning. And salmon and fishing is a big part of my life, but I had never worked with the skin. And so my mom and I took a workshop from her that I, it was three or four days long. We were camping and then learning how to Make uh, a traditional Athabaskan-style uh, fish skin basket. I use the word traditional there, which is another thing that we can talk about for a really long time. Um, and I use—I never use that word, so I'm really surprised that I just use that word. But uh, I believe Audrey spoke of these baskets this way, so um, so I, I'll say that in in homage to her. Um, and she taught me that that once you know how to work with the skin, you can make anything you want. And I had this idea of these fish skin lanterns for a, a piece called Niche of Me. And just that sewing and that scraping and learning from her. Later on, many years later, I came back to uh, Alaska, to Anchorage with the quilt, with the then a cunning voice piece, sewing quilts. And we were at the Anchorage museum and Audrey came and other friends came. Just this like ongoing sharing of Knowledge and practice that can be and is utilized in continuous and always ongoing forms, right? Like that—that that is what we do, and that is what um, I am—I am continually um, honored by, and also called to be in spaces and gatherings um, that are that are a, that are about a shared. Um, and also new forms of that knowledge, and, and curiosities about those knowledges, right? Um, and that that very like tactile, hands-on work that is like that is um, there's labor, there's food, there's there's the stitching, there's the laughing and the conversation, and there's the relationships being built there too. Um, I my colleague again Karen Reckley and I are now like dreaming of creating a fish skin quilt. You know, so 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 the ways in which these projects like keep connecting to one another and, and the processes that we'll make to to then like I don't know how to tan the hide. Like I know how to I know how from Andre I learned how to scrape the skin and sew with it and create a dried a dried form so a dried lantern or a dried basket but for a quilt and we'd have to learn how to tan you know so now, now i have to go back and learn that from somebody so there's like always just more and more and more to learn and um i guess i guess yeah i guess i think of that
2: yeah i actually saw the video that you made that uh, fish skin lantern, yep. I was like, wow, because I never s- see something like that before. Yeah.
0: <laughs> another, another, that was another example of needing people to make, you know, cause a lantern takes about four days to make and I wanted 50 in this performance. So I needed people, I needed people to come and help and people wanted to learn. And so we shared the fish and, the conversation and the days together and the work. And yeah, I was always very appreciative of that process.
1: Your passion for this work is really inspiring. And I think that your relationships with indigenous communities and nature um, are also really inspiring. And I think critical um, in this time. I do think that we are at the end of our time. So I just wanna thank you for coming. It's been wonderful speaking with you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you both so much. Thank you.
0: The Performance Lab podcast was brought to you by Contemporary Performance Network, in association with the Sarah Lawrence College Theatre MFA Program.
1: For more information, please visit our websites at www.contemporaryperformance.com or www.slctheatre.com.